As you watch this teaching, please subscribe, like, and comment so more people can see. Welcome to Home Group. This is Thursday night. Oh, I just had a thought. Denise, when I was growing up, Thursday night was grocery night. That's the night my dad always loaded us into the car and drove us to Sand Springs, Oklahoma, and we went to Safeway, loaded up on groceries. But this is not our grocery night. This is home group night. Here we are, home group. We're with you. But when you were growing up, did you guys have a grocery night? Be interesting to hear. By the way, write me all kinds of comments on social media. I will read them all. I read them every morning when I get up. I just love it. I always see David Kennedy from Sky Tuke, Oklahoma. Hello, David. I always read what you write. So many people who write, thank you for communicating and letting us know what you think of Home Group. But tonight we are here with Maxime Masnikov and we are here with Denise Renner. Hi, guys. Hi, Rick. Oh, may I welcome our Home Group? Yes, please. Home Group, welcome. Are you loving that what we're studying? I just love what we're studying. To stay in, stay on the stage. Don't let anybody push you off. You stay right there and you do what God's telling you to do. Amen. Amen. Good evening, everybody. I'm thrilled to be here, and I'm not going to apologize for repeating it again and again. God wants to do something in your life today, not day after tomorrow, not even tomorrow. At this very home group, God wants to do something in you and for you. Well, tonight we're going to be talking about applause, because if you stay on the stage and really perform well, you get applause. But tonight we're going to talk about the most important applause of all. It's going to really be encouraging. But be sure to go to our website and get the free study guide, The Stage of Faith. It's 10 parts. It's filled with all the points, the principles, everything in the regular TV program. And while you're there, you ought to go ahead and order the whole series, five parts. This will just encourage you to do what God's called you to do and to not give up or maybe it's what you need to give to somebody else who's discouraged. It will encourage them to stay on the stage and keep performing as God has told them to perform. And Maxime, I'm looking at you because you were with me when we were at the Yusupov Palace. You know, that is a palace that is just breathtaking. And there's usually a lot of tourists there. But when we went there, we had the entire palace to ourselves, just us, our crew, and the corridor of the palace they opened every door, turned on every light. So what we show you is amazing. And when you see the stage, Maxime, it is amazing, isn't it? It's breathtaking. And I especially like this little balcony that the Tsar liked. Mm -hmm. Yes, it was called the incognito balcony. Yes, correct. It was a little tiny balcony with a little window all by itself where the Russian Tsar could sit by himself and nobody would know that he was there. And behind that balcony, there, there was a little room where there was food for him. Was the buffet. So he, and he liked to sit there because he could leave the performance and go get something to eat. Nobody would know he walked out. Yeah. But it's amazing. And you know, the czar was watching. And because it was an incognito balcony, the people on the stage were not aware when the czar was there and the czar was watching. Well, today, we're going to talk about somebody else who's watching and you may not always be aware of these eyes, but these eyes are on you all the time. But we're also offering you my book, which is called Build Your Foundation, Six Must-Have Beliefs for Constructing an Unshakable Christian Life. You can get all these by going to renner.org or giving us a call. 
And Denise and I want you to let us know how to pray for you. We really believe in prayer. And when someone reaches out to us, we consider that a very serious trust. And we will really, really put our prayers together with you for anything that you're dealing with in your life. So just send us an email or give us a call and we will pray with you. But open your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 4. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. We're going to begin in verse 1 where the Apostle Paul is describing his ministry. Now, you know, sometimes people glorify preachers. They're like whole fan clubs around preachers. People, you know, adore preachers. And Paul has just had enough of it. So when he comes to this verse, 1 Corinthians 4 verse 1, he says, let me tell you how you need to think about preachers. He says, let a man so account of us as the ministers of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. That verse is amazing. And most people just read right over it and never get what Paul really said. He says, let a man so account of us. Well, the Corinthians had favored preachers. They had Apollo. Some of them loved. Some of them loved Peter. Some of them loved Paul. They had different followings. And Paul had just had enough of it. He said, just get over this. He said, let me tell you how you need to think about us. And Paul now tells us how he thinks about himself. Now, remember, he's been called on the stage. He's been called to take the gospel to the Gentile world. This has been very, very difficult. And now he tells us how he feels as a minister. And I think you're going to get a kick out of this. He says, first of all, if you want to know what to think about us, guys, think of us as the ministers of Christ and the word ministers. It is the word huperetas. Ay, ay, ay. The word huperetas, listen, depicted a class of criminals that were so low, so detestable, so contemptible, that they were outcast, removed from society, and placed into the bottom galleys of huge ships where they literally became the engines of the ships. They endlessly rowed and kept the ship moving forward. This word can be translated minister, servant, or under rower because it depicts individuals who keep things moving. Now that is quite a difference from being glorified. Paul says, let me tell you who we are. We are the engines of the ship. You think that we're great and grand and glorious. The truth is, when I look at what we're doing and the work we do, we're the ones that God has put down under. God has put us on a bench. He's put an oar in our hands, and our job is to row, row, row the boat. He uses the word ministers, the Greek word, huperetas. Now, it's very interesting. Can I just talk to you about this word for a minute? Mm -hmm. These under rowers were condemned. They were criminals, and they were assigned to the bottom galley of ships for the rest of their life. In other words, once they were placed there, they didn't see the light of day ever again. So like in Ben-Hur. Like in Ben-Hur, it was a life assignment. And in fact, their job was so serious, they were chained to the bench. They were chained. You know why they were chained? Because they had moments when they wanted to escape. But that chain represented a commitment. They were there for the rest of their life. And usually there were five rowers on a bench. A big oar was placed into their hands. They had to learn how to row together. 
I think it's a picture of fivefold ministry, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. We all have our hand on the same or we're not working against each other. We have to learn to work together. And they worked day and night, rowing, 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 rowing. And if they stopped rowing, the boat stopped moving. They were the engines of the ship. And they were not provided much food. They had little clothing. And what it made it really difficult to do their job was the rats. There were ship rats. So here they are chained to the bench, rowing nonstop. They're the engines of the ship, rowing and rowing and rowing and rowing. And while they're rowing, they're slapping rats, trying to get rats off of them. This is all in the illustration which the Apostle Paul uses, which is a far cry from glorified, glamorous preachers. He says, hey guys, uh, that's an illusion. He said, we are the engines of the ship. God has put us down in the bottom. If you want me to tell you what my life is like, I have been chained. This is my commitment. This is my calling for the rest of my life. This is my life assignment. My job is to row, row, row the boat. And if I don't do my job, the church is not going to move. The church is not going to progress. And while I'm rowing, rowing, rowing the boat, there are rats in the church that I have to deal with at the same time. And it may sound different to hear, but I'm going to tell you, there is a rodent community in the church that loves to snuggle up alongside of those that are giving their very best to bite at them and scratch at them. You know what? That just goes with the territory. You just got to slap them off and just keep working. That's the word that Paul uses to describe how hard he's working. So he says to the Corinthians, rather than glamorous preachers, let me tell you how you need to think of us. We're the guys that God has called to the bottom, not to the top, to the bottom. He's put the oar in our hands and we're rowing and rowing and rowing and rowing and rowing. That's why Paul called it the work of the ministry. Ministry is work. And just before home group, I was talking to Denise and Maxine. It doesn't matter whether you're in the ministry or what you're called to do. If you're going to move anything and do anything, you have to work. You just have to work. It takes work. But wait, Paul goes on to say, he says, you can also think of us as the stewards of the mysteries of God. The word stewards describes a household administrator entrusted with managerial responsibilities to run a house or a business according to the rules set forth by the owner. So Paul says, God has found me trustworthy to run the ministry, to do the ministry, but it's not even my ministry. He doesn't own anything. He's just a steward of God's work. Isn't that amazing, sweetheart? And then in verse 2, he says, Moreover, it is required in stewards, that a man be found faithful. The word required, the Greek word zeteo, Maxine. The word zeteo describes something pretty intense. It means to search, to seek, to look at very intensively. It can refer to a scientific investigation. It denotes an intense and thorough searching for accurate, concrete facts, not a mere surface investigation. This is a total exhaustive investigation. And this verse says God is looking at each one of us that are called. God is thoroughly looking at us. He is examining us. He's looking at us from the beginning to the end to see if we're going to be found faithful. The word found 
a translation of the Greek word heurisko, which means to find, to discover, a moment when one makes a conclusive discovery. And it's where we get the word eureka. Well, let's just use the example. These under rowers in the bottom of the boat. Rowing, rowing, rowing. Their motto for life is row, row, row the boat. I mean, that's their ministry. Row, row, row the boat. If they don't row, there's going to be no breeze. There's going to be no movement. They're not going to go anywhere. Complaining about the assignment's not going to change it. That's the assignment. But some of those under rowers are doing it with good attitudes. Some of them are doing it with bad attitudes. Some of them are trying to escape. But this verse says God is looking to see how we're rowing. He's investigating. He's got his eyes on every single person that's doing their assignment. And when he finds one that has been found faithful, God says, wow, Eureka, I found an awesome one. Awesome. That's the one that God's looking for. I want God to look at me and say, Eureka, I found Rick Renner to be faithful. The word faithful, the Greek word pistos, means dependable, reliable, trustworthy. Denise, don't you want God to say, Denise Renner is trustworthy? Yeah. <laughs> that makes me cry to think that God would he, would, he would look at me and go, Eureka, I found one. I think that's awesome. I think it's amazing. But you know, very often when we're serving, we're concerned about people's opinions. Do people see what we're doing? Do people understand what we're doing? Do people appreciate what we're doing? Maybe somebody doesn't like what you're doing. They don't like how you're doing it. And Paul says, here we are, rowing the boat, 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 doing the very best we can because the Lord is watching us and we want to please Him and be found faithful. And that's why he says in verse 3, and so with me it's a very small thing that I should be judged of you or of man's judgment. Yea, I judge not mine own self. And when Paul says it is a very small thing that I should be judged of you, it literally means it is absolutely inconsequential that I'm judged by you. <laughs> Now, remember, we've been talking about being on the stage where people have opinions. Uh-huh. Now Paul's in the bottom of the boat, opinions about how they're rowing. Paul says it is absolutely inconsequential that I should be judged of you. And the word judge describes a torturous examination. Opinions, people saying what they think. Paul says, you know, it is inconsequential to me what you think about me. Or of man's judgment. He says, yea, I judge not my own self. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> you know, sometimes we get religious and we condemn ourselves. I have to tell you, I don't deal with much of that. Because when I'm working so hard, I don't have time to sit around and mess around in my brain with the judgment of others or self-judgment. I just focus on what I'm called to do. And that's what Paul's saying here. But he says, a day is coming when every man shall have praise of God. Wow. Every man shall have praise of God. Every man is the Greek word hekastos, an all-inclusive term that includes everyone, no one excluded. And guess what? The word praise is the Greek word epinos. The word epinos, are you ready for this? Is the word for applause. 
A better translation would be, every man will have applause of God. It depicts a round of applause or a standing ovation in response to a performance. That is amazing. So Paul in these verses says, number one, if you're called to do anything, it's going to be a serious assignment. You're going to find your place alongside of others that are called with you. Grab that oar and just get ready for the fact that anything you're going to do is going to take hard work, unending work, and there's nothing you can do about it. It takes work to get anything done. Secondly, you're not even the owner of what you're doing. You're on assignment. You are God's steward of the project. And while you're there, people will have all kinds of opinions about you. You have to finally come to a place where you decide their opinions about you are absolutely inconsequential. Don't even get involved in self-condemnation and judging yourself that you didn't do as good as you could have done. Just do the best you can and keep rowing, 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 rowing. We all want to do better. Don't stop because of a bad performance. Just perform again. Keep going. You get better. In Russian, we say, you just practice makes perfect. Just keep giving it your best. And remember at the end of the performance, Paul says, you will have praise of God. Now this is what I'm living for. And Paul is literally saying there's a day in our future when God is going to stand and he's going to give a round of applause or a standing ovation to those who gave their best. All right, now let me tell you a story. Denise and I and our sons, for years, lived right downtown Moscow behind, what, Denise? The Bolshoi Theater. Bolshoi Theater means the big theater, and the Bolshoi Theater is one of the world's most famous theaters. There's Escala which is a very famous theater in Italy. There's the Metropolitan Opera, there's the London Royal Theater, and there's the Bolshoi Theater. Well, the Bolshoi Theater is really Bolshoi. It's huge, and it has the best talent in the world on that stage. And our apartment was literally one building behind the Bolshoi Theater. So from time to time, because Denise is an opera singer, we'd go to the Bolshoi Theater, and from time to time, we still do because we live in Moscow. And I love the way that Russians respond to a good performance. Russians love ballet. They love drama. They love opera. They just love it. I mean, it's like God made Denise Renner for Russia. And at the end of her performance... The applause is thunderous. People shouting, bravo, 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 bravo. In the Western world, people throw flowers on the stage. But in the Russian world, people walk on the stage. And they carry armloads of roses and flowers and bouquets. I mean, it's amazing, isn't it, Denise? And you wonder, will the applause ever stop but the people the people know good ballet the people know really good singers in Moscow and when somebody gives a notable performance 
It's quite a round of applause, isn't it, Denise? Oh, it is. I like, I say, Rick, I don't want to leave yet. I want to hear, I want to hear the applause for them because it's so honoring. It's so respectful. It's so joyous. And it's like, that's their reward is that applause. Maxime? Uh, amen to that. And if, if I can say that, that example you give about Huparetas. Uh-huh. Was, on, on the rowers. On the rowers. Uh, I was sitting and thinking, it's such an, a great, this is, this is, it's a great example of any ministry, any church, that there are people that are work, that really deserve all the praise, but they're not, often they're not appreciated. And uh, this example, because I heard you teaching it many times, I translated for you, and you started talking about the rats. Yeah. There is a rat community in every church. Yeah. And there, is, there are people who are just walking on the deck that are not They're doing, just along for the ride, but they don't contribute. They're not doing much. They're just complaining. Can they row faster? I was just sitting here and thinking. Can't they make this church grow a little quicker? Why is it taking so long? To they don't do we're, much. They're just there on the deck. And they're just it. along for a free ride, complaining that the people down below aren't making things happen faster. It's a great example. They it's need to be thankful that they're allowed along for a free ride. And I don't want to be a rat. Oh, I don't want to be a rat either. But just think what would happen if all the people in every church got off the deck and got into the bottom and grabbed an oar. Can you imagine how fast the church would grow? It's like statistics show that 20% of the people do all the giving and 20% of the people do all the work. That's, real, that's a true statistic. If 20% of the people are doing all that, what would happen if the other 80% got involved? We would reach the world for Jesus. So are you on the deck? Where, where are you? It's a good question. Who are you? But you know, if you look at this teaching that we're doing, it seems like we're mixing metaphors because we're talking about being on the stage. But Paul uses both of these metaphors. And he uses a round of applause. So we're called on the stage to do the work. But the work is like we're down under rowing, 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 rowing. But at the end of the day, at the end of our work, at the end of our performance, it's really nice when people thank you. I have to tell you the truth. It's nice to be thanked. However, you can't live for that. There's a lot of people who just never say thank you. Some people don't even know how to say the words thank you. It's something we all need to work on. We need to express appreciation to people for what they do. That's very important. But if you never get it, there's one expression of appreciation that's coming in the future when we will all have praise of God. Jesus said it like this. On that day, he will say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. That's all describing one event. Mm -hmm. I'm living for that moment. Rick, I'm thinking of a story of a missionary who gave his whole life, and finally he comes back to his his home, and and he's getting ready to get off the ship, and he sees this whole huge crowd with banners and celebration and balloons, and they're shouting and everything, and he thinks, oh my gosh, they've come to welcome me. Oh, thank you. I'm so blessed. And he gets off the boat, and he realizes it was for somebody else that was on that boat. And, 
And he became aware that he had one audience, like Greg's talking about. And that was the one he wanted to please. And God spoke to him in his heart, and he said, I'm here. I'm applauding you. But you know what, Denise? We began today by talking about the incognito box Mm. in the theater of the Yusopov Palace. Well, Mm. when you're on the stage, you see the people in front of you. But there's an incognito box where somebody's watching that you don't see. That was the king of Russia. In our case, God is in his incognito box. And you may not always be aware, but his eyes are on you. Mm-hmm. God is watching how you're performing your faith assignment. Father, in Jesus' name, help all of us to row like we need to row and perform like we need to perform. And remember that a day's coming when you're going to give us a round of applause. Help us to stay on the stage and do it all. In Jesus' name. We'll see you tomorrow night. Amen. Bye-bye. If you enjoyed that teaching, please subscribe, like, and comment so more people can see it.